We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Five K today in the pouring rain. Yeah, where the, at? Uh, the uh, it was at Golden Gate Park. It was the uh, the first time I've ever ran like a race, not a race, but it was like a thing. Um, it turns out that running uphill is a lot worse than you know pavement running. Uh, also, the rain gives you extra strength because you feel like you're. It feels like you're rocky now. You know, it feels like you're <laughs> it feels like you're the guy that's training for a for a big fight. But then I look at the video of myself running and I'm like, dude, I'm running in slow mo. This is embarrassing. Where uh, where was it? It started in Golden Gate Park. Where'd it go? It started it was just around Stowe Lake. Um Okay. Yeah, it was just around Stowe Lake and wrapped it back around. Uh then I played a basketball game after. Dude, I am dying. See, your back hurts. Uh I'm getting there. I'm getting I spent there. all of yesterday on meds. I had like a fever and just sweating. So we're living different lives. You're you're running races. I'm dying. How, I don't understand how you sound like a normal person though. If you were if you if you have the flu, that's that's like a. I don't think I have flu. I just think I caught the cold and whatever was going around. Um, yesterday was the worst of it. Um, I didn't want to go to the Warrior game on Friday, or I wanted to go to the Warrior game on Friday night. Um, and then I was like feeling under the weather and I'm like, you know what? I should probably not go, uh, because I'm going to feel awful tomorrow. But then I went, of course, <laughs> and it was worth it. That was the best game I've been to all year. Um, cause they won. that was, uh, that was it. Well, here's the thing before we talk about the game, <laughs> dude, the problem is if you get sick and you're like just about to get back and then you, and then you go out and you get a couple of drinks, dude, it puts you right back. Now all of a sudden you need another day or two to recover. 
just, and the and the fatigue, you know, instead of kind of lying on the couch or in bed early, you're you know you're, you're not getting home till midnight at the earliest if you go to a game, and yeah, I mean it's just it's it's all around bad decisions. All, all only on the Light Years podcast, by the way, do we complain about <laughs> having to go to watch Warriors games? Oh, we're not um, com- we're not complaining. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, probably should have. I put the Warriors ahead of my health, which you know is not not the right decision since Kerr is not putting the Warriors ahead of his system. So, um, you know, one of us is sacrificing for the team. The other one's not. But, you know, that's a different issue. Sam's always been loving the game. My boys, uh, anytime they, they listen to the podcast, or at least <laughs> some of them do, they always they always call, oh, dude, Andy, love of the fame, 100%. There's literally <laughs> no doubt. Everything that you do is love of the fame. There's just no no doubt. They've known me for, like, since we were in middle school, high school. So they know they know the deal with me. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, always, it's always who I am. We just ended up categorizing uh, one's love of the fame and one's love of the Le- Andy? one's love of the game. <laughs> uh, thoracic injury for LeBron. What does that even mean? Is that the was that what they said about Kevon Looney? God, that's not great. But do you, you think know. he heard Looney's injury? He's like, oh, that sounds vague. I'll use that next time I lose a game. <laughs> Let it lose two. I mean, I mean, hopefully LeBron doesn't come back looking like Looney. Man, Looney looks god awful. Um, I kind of feel bad for him. Just. Just a lot of injuries uh, that wasn't related to he had that big hip one, but then like he had that collarbone, then then a hamstring, then now this like quad thing or thigh thing, whatever the hell that he's dealing with. And you watch Looney play, right? He played a little bit on Friday. Man, he looks bad. He only played on Friday because Pascal went down. Mm-hmm. By the way, when Pascal went down, he was like freaking out. Uh, and I was like, oh, God, this better not be serious. Pascal so- was? Yeah, it sounds like – I think he just took a – he he had that shock feeling like he thought yeah. he hurt something and like reality yeah. is probably just like a minor strain, uh, which, you know, whatever it's, it's um, obviously not ideal, but like, as long as it's not something serious, that's, yeah. That's, uh, he needs some rest anyway. He's at the wall. So we're, uh, uh, it, it'd be good to give Pasco. I think that's what Draymond said. Be good to give Pasco a couple weeks off. Cause yeah, well, we know they all like to take time off. <laughs> uh, by the way, thoracic muscle strain is, ironically exactly what i just hurt so so lebron and i have that going same age same body falling apart <laughs> slightly less success on my part um it's like it's like lower back um, okay okay so he's old he's had back issues in the past right um yeah. it just sounds like he has a lower back strain. i isn't this like a new thing by the way like in the past the reports would just be like out um, you know, quad strain out, you know, uh, shoulder strain, you know, now it's like, we got to get the most scientific definition possible. And it's like, it's not like they weren't diagnosing it like that. It's like, does the general public need to know this though? The rat. Yeah. You couldn't just say back injury. Uh, I mean, I guess the gamblers like to know it, right? Like you, you'd like to know like, okay, is this, uh, is this, is this one of those, like he just kind of, you know, it's a little bruise, give it a couple of weeks, or is this something that should be worried about? Yeah. Um like uh hopefully hopefully he'll be back. Hopefully back for Christmas. I mean, sheesh. A Warriors game is already going to be a a, a a terrible one with the Raptors. We kind of thought that be peak, fun, but wouldn't it be peak NBA in 2019 oh, for, yeah. for LeBron to be out hurt and Kawhi to load manage on that? Uh, I can you imagine? I think he's going to play. I think he's sitting tonight's game. Um they don't have another game on the schedule till Christmas. So he basically has a week off. Uh, between Thursday's game and Christmas, and if they're just, 
I bet he plays on Christmas, and then he probably like misses intermittent games here and there afterwards. Yeah, I mean, like the NBA is probably going to be like, hey, listen, unless you're like seriously hurt and you need a couple weeks off, just go out there and show some face, play like 28, 30 minutes, and you know, do do your usual no if I, defense if I was kind a, of stuff. If I was a Laker fan, well, one, I'd you know be a lot dumber, <laughs> but two, um, how 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 scared would you be for him, like? playing a little hurt on Christmas being his last year. He injured himself on Christmas. Oh just yeah, like the, that's um, right. Just like the, uh, I mean, there's, it's, it's just superstition stuff. It's not real, but like every fan thinks that way. Right. Wow. <laughs> just like, you, I forgot about that. The pop when he said, I heard it pop. Um, and how long did he set out for? It was a few months, wasn't it? And then it ended up. No, being it, was, it was, it was three to four weeks. Um, no, it was four. It was a good four weeks. Wow. Yeah, and <laughs> but, the, like but then he sat. Then he on. sat afterward. Like he he came back, and then he he got hurt again. And like he, you know what I'm saying? He didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. He reaggravated, came back, and you know he was never really the same. Yeah, that's that's the stuff where you're like, because we never see that from. Le- Why are we talking about LeBron? Anyway, we never see that from LeBron. It kind of sucks to see. We would love roasting LeBron, but we don't we don't like seeing someone kind of break down and. No, I, I want to you know so. like. I'd rather someone beat his team if they're that yeah. good in the playoffs than him get hurt. It yeah. kind of always goes. By the way, watching uh, Clippers Thunder right now. Uh, did you know that they did a tribute video for Paul George? For oh, Thunder, God. but they didn't do. They still haven't done one for KD. I wonder if the tribute video is just like a thank you for all the picks. <laughs> How many picks did they get? Um, I, I mean, a lot. Uh, I can't even remember how many they got because uh, uh, because they then made the uh, Russ trade and got more picks. So it's hard for me to remember which for, were from which trade. Every time I watch the Clippers, dude, I I Paul George is a better player than Kawhi right now. Every time I watch the Clippers, I'm like, ooh, my, uh, Paul George is a better player. Uh, Kawhi is good, but man, they Paul George might be their best player. Um, and Pat Bev is that dream onto that team, but the way Paul George <sighs> just strokes it from outside is just insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Kawhi's, I still think Kawhi's going to be their closer. You know what I'm saying? Like it might, it, it's it's a little bit of a like Steph Clay and KD factor where you're like, I don't know, this other guy kind of does more things that help you win, but that that one guy he he hits all those like eight and fifteen foot shots you need at the end of the game yeah yeah you're right i mean when the ball when when it comes down to it i would rather give it a Kawhi and have that iso game but man Kawhi don't look that good right now i mean that's not one of the i no, watched he last does not games. Look, he does not look good yeah so let's um let's talk about friday night's game first um by the way i, I cannot figure out why the pelicans are this awful <laughs> that's like my first take like i mean i'm not saying they should have a playoff record but they shouldn't be bottom of the west either <clears throat> and they're what seven and 23 they have one more win than the warriors like they're not considering who the warriors have played this year in terms of just like healthy bodies i don't know man the pelican should be a lot better than that well i it, it's i think it comes down to uh, ingram was out a little bit but i think it comes down to drew holiday's good but he's really not he's not like hey, we're gonna win games good right like drew holiday's a nice player um, great defensive player, decent offensive player, but it's like he's not going to win you. You know, for like like you look at Steph, you look at a worse version of Steph Dame, or you even look at like Kemba Walker. I don't think Drew is that type of player. Like Kemba Walker probably get a mediocre, like could get a team to like mediocre 500, maybe around there with a decent team around him. 
I just don't think Drew is that type of guy. I think yeah, but Drew is not their leading scorer. Why? Maybe he has to be. I think that's the problem. Ingram's averaging 25 efficiently. Ingram's been good offensively. Although watching him against the Warriors, one of my takes from it is the the talent is like the talent's obvious. You could see how good he can be, but he does a lot of non-winning stuff. You know, you know what I mean? A lot of just like tunnel vision when he gets the ball, kind of sleeping on defense, where you're just like, dude, if he just locks in a little harder, this dude could be an absolute monster. Um is part of that just he played on the Lakers and then now he's playing in New Orleans where the focus isn't nearly on the winning stuff. Uh, and are you making a point that maybe if Brandon Ingram was on the Warriors that he might pick up those I, things? He's also only 22. I mean, first off, he might just get it in New Orleans. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, obviously I would love him on the Warriors. Super talented player. But uh, to your point about Drew Holiday, I just want to bring this up. Brandon Ingram's averaging 25 and 7 and 4, okay? 49% from the field, 39% from 3, 54% from 2, 84% at the free throw line. Like he's been he he's not chucking, he's been efficient. There's no like statistical, you know, like I mean he's had a couple weird like 4 for 15 type shooting games, but who doesn't, right? Um I, I still can't figure out why they're so bad. But anyway, this isn't a Pelicans podcast. We don't need to worry about that. <coughs> um, D'Lo's uh, sidestep to the right three-point shot was what James Harden. That is James Harden. Now, D'Lo is not as consistent as James Harden. But, man, he has so many shades of James Harden. He's always driving to the lane. He's chucking his hands up, drawing a foul. Left-handed, herky-jerky. Just so much James Harden. Um, But there are big differences, right? I I think you even tweeted a a few of the differences. But those are the games I think. About 10 free free throw attempts a game is the first difference. not as good of a shooter, right? I don't know that he's not as good of a shooter. Um, He doesn't get to dribble the ball around and find his shot as much as Harden. Yeah, like we saw it in the early games where he was just allowed to. The problem with him this has been um, he he's basically, before Friday night, his only good games had been games where they allowed him to just dribble the ball endlessly. You know what I'm saying? So when he's done that, he's been effective. But when he's been asked to play in the Warriors system – uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag, and uh, you know I'm I'm still looking for what that balance is, but like to date, it's been ugly. I I'm getting to a point. I talked about this last year, and I just tweeted about it. I'm getting to a point where, um, there's not much in the Warriors system that I'm looking forward to. I, I I'm not I'm not seeing how Steve Kerr is gonna make role make non good players role players. I'm not seeing it. At this point, and I, I don't know what the Warriors are doing behind the scenes. I don't know what their plans are for that next year, however long they're going to have D'Angelo Russell. But even with the role players like Jacob Evans, Damian Lee looks okay, but Pascal, Jordan Poole, guys like that, where I don't, I'm not comfortable, man. Like at this point, I don't feel like they're going to come back next year and I'm going to be comfortable saying, hey, Jordan Poole can, can probably put together like 10, 12 minutes. I'm not even comfortable saying that about Eric Pascal at this point. I, I I don't think that they're even on par with like the Toronto Raptors with developing players or 
the clip or like these teams that are, are doing it today and are successful. I don't get that from the Warriors now. I, I'm, I think I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but I I can't. I was watching the the Santa Cruz G League game today. By the way, you are a they, hardcore fan. They are they're dominant in the G League. Kai Bowman, Sky Bowman, Kai Bowman is the is the Steph Curry of the G League. Is he now? unstoppable? I mean, he's he's too good to be playing in there. He was he's an NBA player. Um, Shout out to Drew Schiller, by the way, who who calls the game. Good for him. <laughs> but um, and and by the way, Smile Geach, he's going to be a player. Give us your scouting report. <laughs> Nothing you haven't seen so far. I mean, one, the the jump shot's looking a lot smoother, so hitting three is kind of a big deal. Okay. Um, two, he's still trying to dunk on everyone, and he just plays with he plays with a level of energy where you know he's gonna pick up points and rebounds just off the fact he works harder than the guy he goes against. Is there work to be done in terms of defense and everything and all the finer points of the game. Absolutely. Um, he might be closer to six, nine than seven foot. Like he's, he's listed at six ten, and it's, uh, you know, that's probably what he is. He's probably six, nine, six ten. He's definitely not seven foot. So, um, <laughs> well, he slouches too, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's, uh, you know, you're not getting a seven one, you know, like shot blocker with him. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, he's interesting. I don't know if he'll be a starter, but if a second round, as I've always said, if a second round pick turns into a rotation player, that's a massive win. <coughs> Excuse me, I had a cough. But what were we, what were we talking about before I got into that? No, um, I, oh, player yeah. development. Okay, yeah. so I was watching the G League game, and I couldn't help but think about how they had McKinney and Daniel House in camp last year, and they chose McKinney, and House is is he like the Rockets' fourth best player now? Like he's <laughs> good, man. He's and. And to me, it comes down to the fact they thought McKinney could do more things. They thought he was a smarter cutter. Whereas the Rockets just see it as like, okay, House can defend. We can make him a defender, and he can hit open catch and shoots. And that's all we're going to ask him to do. Going to simplify his role instead of trying to overly complicate it. And that's where I come back to on the Warriors. Warriors system that Kerr was running, amazing when you had five or six really intelligent players. Um, but... When you when you're like every other team in the league, where you have a couple smart guys, a couple guys who kind of need their role really, you know, kind of dialed in, you you can't just expect like every small forward to be able to do what yes, did. yes, or Livingston. That's the point. I think that's the big point where it's like, and then the other piece is, oh, you could give a time, you give a time, but how much time are you going to give it? It's it's. I think it's simpler. Or it's just more efficient, I think. Instead of what they're trying to do is they're trying to strike gold and they're trying to have the elite level of high IQ talent blend, right? They struck gold once, right? They got a bunch of guys, they won a bunch of championships. They're trying to do it again. The problem is that's not sustainable. It's it's just not sustainable uh to have that level well, I think, of I think I think the gamble the gamble is also <coughs> excuse me. That <laughs> you're struggling. Yeah, when they um, this this is where I can, by the way, feel that I've been sick because when your throat starts hurting when you talk a lot, um, <laughs> when you uh, when you try to play the way the Warriors do with read and react motion offense, um, it gives your offense more layers, right? And that's always been kind of our thing that they do better than the Rockets. The Rockets play one way, but by game five or six of a series, everyone knows what yep. they're going to do. Um. 
And so that's the argument would be you're better off waiting for it and going through the growing pains because at the end of the day, you're going to be better for it. Um, I just, it's debatable if they can do that again without getting like the right mix exactly. of veterans. And here's, here's my bigger thing. If you want to play that way, you need a veteran squad. I don't think you can do it with a bunch of rookies. Like you can get Pascal in the rotation because he's an older rookie and smart. But if you come back next year with D'Lo, Pascal, um, Poole, um, a first round pick who's a teenager, <laughs> Smile Geach, you know, maybe you add a couple of vets. Like you can't expect them to play that read and react motion system at a high level, even next to Steph and Clay and Draymond. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Um, it's not sustainable. It's it's why you see teams who play like that. They're always veteran and older. Well, Ben Simmons is a veteran at this point, so um, that might be a a, a good a uh, good. But fit if you get that. Ben Simmons, do you even want him playing that? No, you want him running in transition and and running pick and roll at Steph. By the way, I'm all in on Ben Simmons. <laughs> I don't. I know you. You disagree a little bit with me. I'm all in, man. I, I want to see Ben Simmons on the Warriors. I want to see Ben Simmons. Oh, I don't disagree. Um, I, my only criticism with Ben Simmons had been people who thought he was going to be Magic um, Johnson, like LeBron, yeah, or so. I, I like. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy who closes games. Yeah, well, that's I why he's going. So I think he's going to be the basically the um, the cheat like the. Um, the soup, a souped up Draymond Green, you know, like he's Draymond, but with elite physical gifts. God, that's I what that's be. what you're hoping for, right? He's a six ten Draymond. How much would you like? How much would you like Draymond, who instead of you know missing these bunnies at the rim, dunks it every time? Yeah, because because we've seen Simmons drop thirty before, um, and we get him a we get him next to two of the greatest shooters of all time. I'm all in. I'm all in. Put anybody at the five, you know, throw Iguodala back and in that's there. Why, and that's why Philly won't trade him. Like, I really <laughs> think Philly is going to be like the new Lob City where it just eventually fizzles out because they're um, – They just won't do it, you think? Like they just won't – even if it might be the right move. Who And it may be not. I mean it's just D-Lo. Well, I think, pick, it's, so. I think it's hard because they know how talented they are. So they want fair value for the talent. But the fit's not there, and other teams know the fit's not there. So they're going to get offers like D'Lo and some picks. Yeah, and that better be, be the like, first pick, too, even and, if and it the, is. And they're going to be like, dude, Ben Simmons is worth more than this because he is worth more than that. I right? mean, that's true. I mean, that that is true. But the, the problem is who's trading you? And so then they're stuck with, well, let's see if we can make it work because talent over fit. Well, right? maybe maybe the, war- and the Warriors. A, and then it goes in a circle, right? <laughs> well, the Warriors, I mean, maybe they do Maybe they do the pick. If it's a top three pick, they do D-Lo and they do the fucking Paul George package, man. You just you start throwing in 2023 20, unprotected first, you know, and you're just going to say. Why would, why would Philly want that? Because Philly's in a win now mode. Well, if it is true that Simmons and Embiid don't necessarily get along and it gets to a point. under contract for another four to six. Paul George was under contract too. But let's say say it's something where he doesn't want to be there anymore. I don't know. But hypothetically, if it's something where he doesn't want to be there anymore, Paul George was under contract. I mean, your your point stands. They could. um, But I think OKC already hit a wall that um, Philly hasn't hit yet. Like, you might have to wait two years. That's true. It might be 2021 before Philly gets there. That's true. Um, they don't look impressive, by the way. Uh, they, no, they, don't. They, they look like um, they look like dudes who don't like playing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. They look exactly like the Lob well, City Clippers looked. 
Well, if that was the case with Jimmy Butler, they look similar to that, then whose fault is it? Because now they've got new guys. You know, they got a Horford. They've got, I mean, Josh Richardson, who seem harmless. I'm not giving this one. First off, I don't know anyone who's complained about Tobias Harris or, yeah, or uh, Josh Richardson. Exactly. Like, who's the guy who's going around going, Josh Richardson, <laughs> terrible teammate. You know, like that doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, but uh and yeah, like Jimmy obviously has a little bit of a rap sheet for stuff he's done in other places, but to me, it's it's clearly Embiid and Simmons are. Um, and Reddick said it a couple of years ago. He said they're not where they need to be in terms of chemistry, and I thought that was like a really political way of saying they they don't like each they other. They don't like you know? each other. Yeah, you know. And I think it's only going to get worse. Like uh, Simmons. I don't blame Simmons for being upset because Simmons could average 20 without a jump shot if they just played his game. Like, what is the average if if the Warriors if oh, he man. Steph and Clay, oh. if he with Steph and Clay and you have a center who can somewhat space? And I don't care, put Glenn Robinson at, at the three, <laughs> you know? But like basically you put him around a team with spacing and pace. The pace the pace is almost a bigger deal to me because Embiid wants to play through the half court. And I don't know where Simmons is supposed to hang out in the half court. Well, you know? this this situation also has Draymond in in the picture, and that's going to be a problem. But too, at but. least at least Draymond's willing to run every time. He right, runs. right. Um, but let, let's just, um, I think, yeah, I think the bigger issue is they they basically operate in the same spaces. Like you you see it in Philly, and then like in, you know Simmons will then try to operate in the post on offense, like kind of as like a cutter. And then Embiid's on the top of the key shooting threes, and everyone's yelling at Embiid, why are you on the top of the key? Uh, right? that's, it's, it's, and, then, yeah. and then it's like, well, yeah, because Ben Simmons is down there because not we can't have four players all sitting on the block. So it's just uh, kind of like, I, I don't know. It, it seems just we all know where this is going. It seems just so predictable where it's going. I, I, you know, they, just, they should just be nice and take all the Warriors' picks and D-Lo and call it a day. <laughs> Uh, I am all in on it. I am all in on it. Maybe it'll be in beat. But hey, we're we're like 20 minutes and we got to get to the meat of the podcast here. Um, by the way, we'll we'll insert we'll get Ben producer Ben to insert uh, a snippet of what we did on the light years premium podcast. Sam and I did a uh, our favorite moments um of the warriors so we 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 did about a of the last decade that are the top five warrior moments of the past decade newsflash it was a uh... It was a little heavier with moments from the second half of the decade than the first half. Shocking, uh, shocking. Andy, Andy did not did not take my um, Monte Ellis game winner <laughs> over the Indiana Pacers in 2011. It's funny as so, I remember so. exactly what you're talking about. Was that the baseline jumper uh, yeah, that he hit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, it might have been an elbow. Yeah. Um, Good times. Oh, Monte. Uh, we're gonna do so. We're I, gonna spend the I, next. What? By the way, I have an issue with people who call D'Lo Monte. If you call D'Lo Monte, you're telling me you literally have only watched the shitty Warriors and the good Warriors. You have no perspective to the NBA outside of that. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into uh, let's get into top five Warrior games of the decade. Uh, that work for you? That work for you, homie? Let's uh, yeah, let's get started. Um, do you have you want to go your top five, my top five, or you we got we got a I got a long list here. Oh, you have a different list than me. You're not gonna. You're not gonna take to my list, huh? <laughs> I see your list. It's good. All right, we'll do my list then. Um, and I'll add. In, I'll add in some consolation games that I think should be included. Number five: Curry Game Three, Western Conference Finals versus Houston. <coughs> Steph dropped forty and three quarters 
in a game Houston had to have. I'll always remember where I was during that game. Uh, I was at a bar and he was just going nuts. And like people around me were not Warrior fans. Like, ah, you can't win shooting jumpers like this. And Steph just goes nuts on them. And I'm like, you were saying? <laughs> uh, one of the more forgotten games, I think, uh, in, the, well, in this Warriors yeah, run. I mean, the, the, the clutch monopoly makes sure every good Steph game is forgotten. Really? He's never, ha- yeah. he's never had a good playoff game. It's, it's, it's by the way, Steph, who's, av- who's in like the top 10 you know, of like top, playoff top, scoring top averages? Uh, Above Kobe and Dirk. Yeah, just and he's a phenomenal shooter. He's probably he's not only the best shooter in in the regular season. He's also the best shooter in the playoffs. Like he's still shooting elite levels in the postseason. Um, this was the beginning. Um, and also I like this game. I like that you threw this in there. Uh, we didn't have this in the premium podcast. I like this because this was the beginning of the dom the postseason dominance that Steph Curry and the Warriors have had over the Houston Rockets for the last four seasons. Um, we'll we'll get to some of those five games. Season, five seasons. Five seasons. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, it just goes to show kind of James Harden for as great as he, as great as he is in the regular season, literally every time it has mattered in the postseason, he has lost to the Warriors. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling up the box score right now. Uh, Curry had, was 12 for 19, seven of nine for three from three. <clears throat> By the way, this was before people start taking a bunch of threes. So him taking nine was a lot, but in retrospect, it's hilarious he only took nine. That's right. That's right. Um, James Harden was three for 16, only took five threes. He's one for five from three. Also lets you know how much has changed. I could never see Harden only taking twice as many twos as threes. He takes five threes a quarter um, at this point. Um, so that that's, that's number five. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, number four. What do you got? Uh, the only regular season one I threw in here, Curry, OKC, 2016, <laughs> otherwise known as the double bang shot. <laughs> uh, one of the games where uh, you started to notice that, dang, this guy's going to win two MVPs in a row, and this might be the greatest season of all time. Uh, and it ended up not being the case, but uh, I think it went to show you that also – in a game that the Warriors were overmatched athletically, uh, you can always just rely on Steph's three-point shooting and or Clay Thompson. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll move it forward. There's not much. We said a bunch of, about this game on the premium. I, I don't really want to repeat our takes. You should subscribe to premium. You can get it. Um all right, number three, game five of the 2015 finals, otherwise known as the send Delhi to the hospital game. <laughs> that, that would be my number one, uh, one of my favorite games of all time. Just do you remember the amount of I, – I, do you remember the amount of slander and the amount of like joy people got from Steph having a, an off game in the finals? I, that was when, I've, when I kind of realized, man, either – Steph is like arrived here as a superstar that quickly, or people just really want to see him fail. Like it was one of the things where I was almost. Well, it was only from one. It's from one sector that like could not believe this little guy who relies on jump shots can be as impactful as this, you know, like Adonis type monster guy who lives inside. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing, you know, what's funny. LeBron had an awful game four, um, in that series when it was two, two. 
he was seven for 22 from the field. And in typical LeBron fashion, he was four for 19. And then he got three layups when they were down 30. So, I mean, he was awful in that game. But his bad games never look as bad because he's typically living inside the three-point line. See, I have this theory. When you play a bad game and you're shooting from outside, it looks a lot worse than if you're driving to the rim. You know what I'm saying? No, that's fair. Um, So Steph going five for 23. I mean, that's awful. It's a bad shooting night, but it's just one game in a series too. He will have one bad shooting game every series, and that's just kind of how the jump shot works. That's why traditionally people didn't want jump shooters to be who you built your team around. Um, we got a little smarter and realized, hey, <laughs> who cares if they lose one or two games in a series if they if they dominate the other four? Yeah, that that was always the thing with the Warriors, where you might win one or two games in a series, but you're never going to beat them in a series unless it's just like just the most absurd of circumstances, right? Like what happened in 2016 and what happened in 2019. Those are just outliers. They, they will never get swept. They will never. Nope. In fact, they've never lost a series, even with Mark Jackson, in under six games. Why? Because Steph and Clay will be hot at least half the games, and you just can't beat them if they're that hot. Yeah, it's um, hard. I, You're, or they have to. You have to be so much better. Something has to go wrong on the Warriors' side for it to like. I mean that that's that's really what happened when they were nowhere near as good as the Spurs in 2013. Remember that series? Yep. They weren't as good as the Spurs, but the Spurs had no clue what to do with the fact that these two guards could score 50 points on 25 shots. Um, I also want to th- kind of shout out Draymond Green here. There's a lot of Steph and Clay mostly on the list. Um, we'll, we'll finish the top five and we'll go in some other ones. But uh, Draymond Green was is is throughout the run was the second best player on the team for a long time. Um, and I think that gets overshadowed, or I think that may get overshadowed in the future when you kind of look at how they age because Clay is going to age a lot better than Clay, or, or Clay is going to age a lot better than Draymond. You would think. So I think that's going to get glossed over a little bit. But Draymond, man, he was so good. Yeah, Draymond, I don't know. It's <coughs> He was the second best player in like his 2016 playoff run. It's just jarring if you rewatch those games, watching him now. Just how dominant he was overall. Like Because he was putting up 20 a game most games yep. too. Um, moving it forward. What, what number are we on? We number two. two. All right, number two. Game three versus Cleveland Finals 2017. Otherwise known when KD hit the the pull-up on them. For me, this one just sealed it. You know, because if they didn't have KD, Cavs won that game. And I think we're headed to another six or seven game series minimum, right? Yep. Um, I think also the game, the last time that you saw Warriors team happy together. Um, a a, a, A team that realized... During that run, how great they were, how they probably are the best team of all time, uh, along with the MJ Bulls in 96. And uh, they were just happy. You watch KD celebrate, he was happy. You watch Steph, he's happy. Um, Clay's always happy. But it's just a team that, like David West, right, just a team that enjoyed that first championship with Kevin Durant, and it really went downhill from there. So I think that game was kind of the uh, – uh, the game uh, that was like the uh, the peak of the dynasty warriors i think was that game yeah um okay my number one and actually we gotta get into consolations after this because there's a game i forgot on my list and i feel bad about forgetting <laughs> but 
But number one, I, this has to be everyone's number one. Game six in OKC 2016, otherwise known as the Clay, Clay Thompson game, the birth of game six Clay. Uh, the I don't think there's a more important game this decade, by the way. I will say that. For the entire NBA, that changed the entire trajectory of the NBA. Is that not one of the important games of all time, then? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we're just talking about this decade. Yeah, no, it might go down as one of the five or ten most important games of all time. Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> Clay, Clay has had some bad postseason series or, or runs, even. Um, and... It, we'll, we'll, we'll get in the consolation games. Talk about how great he was in the finals in the playoffs last year or this year. But uh, that game was the start of it, man. It was just the war. The Warriors should have lost that game. The Warriors should have lost Game Six. The Warriors should have lost Game Seven. And it was hard, man. He they they, they basically outwilled him. Honestly, that's like I, I I've rewatched the end of that game. Pro, I've watched the fourth quarter of the end of that game probably a hundred yep. times. And my biggest takeaway on it is OKC was not missing. And the Warriors never – like they just kept – at no point did you see the Warriors' heads slink. You know what I'm saying? They kept fighting through it. Then Clay hits a couple shots. Iguodala gets a couple steals. And the minute he hit that go-ahead that shot, over, it was over. Yep. you saw KD and Russ's heads go down. Russ got super anxious like he always does, get out of control, easy to pick off. And KD looked in his own head too. I mean, it was just, it was a very, um, what do you call it? Uh, it, it was just one, t- one team had far more mental resolve than the yep. other team. Yep. That was, uh, that, that's the game we've talked about it a million times. That is the game of the, uh, of the century. Uh, we'll go with, uh, let's go. All right. Constellation round. I, I got a couple ones and, and these are ones that I thought of that we didn't do in the premium podcast too. So yeah, we might, we might need to reword our order. <laughs> but anyway. um no but i think this is good i mean number one uh on the on the constellation list that i have baron davis's dunk game against the utah jazz i mean come on that's not this decade what year was that oh fuck. 2007 you moron yeah do you know what's funny on the on the other podcast i literally was like started the podcast by saying hey sam you remember we believe what year was that and then you're like that's not this decade and then and just threw that one in anyway um steph curry clincher 2019 houston yeah, that's the one I thought I, I forgot about um, that I really shouldn't have forgot about. But like, just the um, got it twice. The let's let's recap that game. KD goes down in game five, and and Steph had an awful first half. Like we can't <laughs> we can't um, we can't leave that part out. But kept fighting through it, right? Like the the thing that sticks out to me with the Warriors, particularly Steph, Clay, and Dre, which they never get enough credit for, is the mental resolve they show. Like, all anyone wants to do is point out the behind-the-back pass in Game 7 of 2016. I don't know, man. Steph's got more resolve. Clay does, too. Those guys are like, they're not perfect, but I've seen many teams quit in the face of them far more than the other way around. That is a hell of a point. Um, 33 points in the second half. Uh, took it to James Harden. Chris Paul was the only one that was playing that game. Um, Steph Curry absolutely took it to James Harden. James Harden in, the, in another clincher where he just just really didn't show up. Turnovers, bad shots, kind of doing what he usually does, except this time in a loss. Um, and it felt like the Warriors won the championship. That's uh, what it felt like. Uh, in one of the uh, another signature Steph game. Steph has a lot of signature games, and uh, just it just turns out a lot of them happen in the Western Conference Finals. 
Um, by the way, that's why he's, that's why he's the Kobe of this era. Kobe has a lot of signature games, and they're all in the Western Conference Finals because that's when the better teams he faced were. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I do actually think it's interesting that people try to rewrite history with this team because it spits in the face of Nike's biggest star and the guy who controls the media. But alas, it is what it is. You know, everyone wants to make it about. They don't want to give this team its due credit because they're more interested in propping up a certain guy. Uh, speaking of him, game one, 2018, NBA Finals, LeBron James, uh, all-time game. Uh, one of the best we've seen uh, in a series I think that LeBron knew he was going to lose. And he showed out, punched the wall after the game, claims he broke his hand. But in terms of mental resolve, uh, I want to bring you to a moment. George Hill, uh, I was at that game. And the fear in George Hill's eyes when he had to shoot that free throw. Uh I have never seen anything like that. Uh, that's called being rattled on the big stage. Uh, so he ended up missing it. or um, And uh, the Warriors win. They win game one and they go on to. And now that's the guy Giannis has to count on instead of Malcolm Brogdon. Well done. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I, I like George Hill as a player too, but yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice if the Warriors can uh. develop George Hill like the Spurs did. but uh, And then they traded him for Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, it all works out. Yeah. That might be the that might be a more realistic path. <laughs> Actually, honestly, um, I can't remember where I heard this take. They said Kawhi was the greatest player development success story of all time. <clears throat> it might be true. I, I don't think it's realistic to expect anyone to develop a player like the Spurs developed Kawhi. Again. Yeah, he couldn't shoot right, and now he could not shoot at yeah. all. Yeah, that's uh, he couldn't shoot, and now he's like a, now he's one of the best shooters in the game, and just unbelievable. Especially when he was supposed to be kind of like a role player, just on defense, and they became a really damn good offensive player. So, um, and yeah. uh, okay, so another one I got for you. Um, this is probably one of my favorites. I I didn't we didn't do this in the pot in the other pot either. Uh, game seven, NBA Finals this year, or sorry, game six, NBA Finals this year. Oracle's last game. Clay Thompson tears his ACL on a dunk attempt. Uh, they they say he can't come back in. They say he can't come back in uh, if he goes to the locker room. So he comes back out, shoots the free throws, tries to get back on defense. You remember when he's shaking his leg? Essentially like he's trying to come back and try to play again? Yeah. That might have been one of my favorites too. That entire playoff run is emotional, and I don't think it got enough credit nationally for what it truly represented. Like KD going down the resolve they showed fighting through it, Steph's big game in Houston, and quite frankly, Clay. Like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that team, if they never compete for another title again, like the amount of resolve and heart they've shown and how much they've meant to the area, like they can they could retire and and be legends for the rest of time, right? But uh but I hope that doesn't happen. Um the, the, the bigger point is, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That was um, that was one of my favorite moments too. Even though it was, it's 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 kind of a sad, bittersweet one. It was, and but it also showed, and I think that um, in terms of the people that always criticized the Warriors and and had any anybody that had any questions about the Warriors that was answered that run. It was just all these injuries, all the stuff they had to deal with behind the scenes, all the games that they had to play. Going up against the Toronto Raptors team that was essentially playing the best that they ever will be in that franchise. And you could probably say if KD was healthy and if he didn't pop his Achilles and if Klay Thompson didn't tear his ACL, they'd probably win that thing in seven after going down 3-1. So 
not to be, but I think that that was kind of the way that Oracle should have went out. Though. Here's here's my take. I think they win it, and I think they have a good chance of winning it in seven if Danny Green doesn't take out Clay's knee. Honestly, yeah. I don't know. There, there were there was a determination in that team, and like they were limited. Quinn Cook was. Um, McKinney, I mean, why McKinney's in the rotation is a far bigger issue than, than how bad he played. Right. But it kind of sums it up, you know, like, I mean, Juan Looney playing with a fractured collarbone or whatever the hell he had. Right. Iguodala for, for multiple games, Iguodala was just playing with his hands on instinct because he couldn't move because of his back and knees. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it was, uh, it, it reminded me of, a, it reminded me of a team at the end of its run who, you know, it was, it was kind of a, the champion fighting through it, you know, because they've been there and they knew what it takes. Um, yeah, man, it's, I, I just want to see those guys. I, now. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's kind of a good way to, 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 to unless you have some, some more on the list for games, but I think that no, no, I can't believe I left out the 2019 yeah. ones. Um, I was trying to think to the better times. Now, granted, the Houston game in 2019 was one of the best times, <laughs> but um, the Clay one, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's you'll never forget. It that, should, they should, they should have. Oracle should have gone out with Clay winning that game and them going to Toronto. Um, but it's kind of fitting it is. that it ended in like sorrow. <laughs> That's Oracle, right? Know. Just decades and decades of sh- crappy, crappy hoop and. Uh, uh, essentially, I mean, not trying to be corny, but a warrior tore his ACL. KD tore his Achilles. Let's, I mean, we make fun of KD a little bit, or at least I do. But Kevin Durant came back on that ca- messed up calf when he shouldn't have, right? To no fault of anyone's, but he blew his Achilles for that team to try to win a championship. If KD and Clay were healthy to start the series, the Warriors win this thing in five, right? So I think that's. That's 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 a huge thing for that Warriors team. That 2019 Warriors team will never get roasted, I don't think, just because just because people know they literally gave their bodies. <laughs> and now they're taking a gap year. Or here's a better thing. If you try to roast anything that happened in that playoff series, you're like, you can't even no. take it serious. <clears throat> okay, man, we'll get out of here. Hopefully my cough's gone by the next Hopefully recording. Hopefully my Wi-Fi. Subscribe, you know, so. subscribe to Premium. Um, we'll be doing a few more of these lists. Uh, over the next couple weeks just because it's the end of the decade. Isn't that weird? Going to the 20s? Dude, I'm about to be in my 30s in age, so, you know, it's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Coming up, a preview of the latest Light Years Premium episode with Andy and Sam talking about the top five Warriors moments of the decade. To listen to the full episode, subscribe to Light Years Premium by clicking the link in the description of this episode. All right, let's start with number five. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I will go first. Number five, Steph versus Denver, 2013, first round of the playoffs. All right, you got a you got a specific moment though, because I have that on the list. Is not I don't have it on the list, but I have a moment from that series. Game three or game four, both of them, third quarter yes. when he just goes nuclear. Um, for me, that series was. Steph's coming out party. Like we knew how good he was. We'd seen it. We saw him drop 54 in Madison Square Garden back when scoring 50 was actually a big deal. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just for me, it was like the first moment where we saw Steph where it's like, okay, he's officially a superstar. Yep. 
Yep, and that was uh, and and it was like it was not that like we didn't believe in Steph. It was just we hadn't seen it. We hadn't seen. Maybe there's a little bit of we didn't believe it either, and we hadn't seen it. And and uh, Denver, this always gets forgotten. Denver was the three seed. Three seed. Denver yeah. won 57 games. Certain media people thought they would make the time. They would make the finals. <laughs> um, no names, but and they'd won something. They had a 16-game winning streak post All-Star break, and they were basically the hottest team in basketball going into that series. Like yep. no one thought the Warriors would win that series. Big, uh, big regular season team that Denver team turned out to be. In my consolation moments, uh, George Carl calling Andre Iguodala a mole uh, was one of the top <laughs> ones, uh, and then Andre Iguodala turning around and wanting to go to Golden State, uh, and then Golden State trading for him. That was one of the. Uh, one of my, I was going to say, one of, my, one of my consolations was signing Iguodala. I had it in my yeah. top five, but then yeah. I kept thinking of things I wanted to add to the top five, and I'm like, well, I have a top five of ten, so <laughs> something has to go. So we, um, we have similar consolation uh, moments with Andre. I kind of feel, feel like that was the one where, you know, it's the first time, like the We Believe Warriors pulled an upset as an eight seed, but no one was – looking at them like, okay, I want to go sign to play with those guys. Mm-hmm. What Steph did um, and the fact that they were so young, I think was a huge contributing factor to Iguodala, who was the best free agent they'd ever gotten in my lifetime up to that point, wanting yep. to go there. So just just by proxy of that moment, by him just absolutely destroying Denver single-handedly, has to be a top five moment. Yep, yep. That, uh, so, yeah, that's an extension. My number five is – my number five is actually Steph Curry's three in Oklahoma City uh, during the MVP year. I think most people may have this higher, but it was a regular season game. So I put it at five. I, I needed it to be on the list and talked about. Uh, oh, I have it. I have it at number three. Yeah. So we're so, but let's talk about it. Yep. It's it's one of those moments where the Warriors were regular season appointment viewing. Right, you just you you had to watch every single regular season game. There was en route to seventy three. Let's remember that game. Uh, it went into overtime because Kevin Durant turned the ball over, and Andre Iguodala also hit a huge free throws at the end of the regular uh, regular time. Um, and so, it, it was one of those moments where it was kind of like that semis, which I'll get, which we will get to, uh, that they ended up winning. The Warriors looked like they were going to lose that game the whole time. Uh, and then Steph Curry ended that, ended that, you and know, then he, and then he danced. Gets, you know, it gets forgotten in that game. Um, Steph goes up for a layup in the third quarter, and Russell Westbrook comes down full force on his <sighs> ankle. I thought he was. I thought he snapped his ankle. I thought the season was over. Um, I got like texts from people who are sitting in media and OKC. They're like, "Well, it was a fun ride, or something, <laughs> something to that effect." Not going to say who, but dramatic. Um, and, and that's what I thought because, you know, Russ, Russ is super athletic and he goes up with a lot of force. Rewatch the replay. He comes down with both feet on Steph's ankle. How it didn't snap in half, but it consistently gets hurt doing nothing other times, I'll never understand. But he went back to the locker room for six or seven minutes. And I actually think that's part of the reason that they ended up winning because in overtime, everyone else is at 46 47 minutes played on the game and he's just sitting at about 40 because he got like he got all these i mean he he lost eight to nine minutes of game time getting his ankle checked out 